Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our March 22nd uh, edition of KASB Live. Uh, it is March Madness time. That means both a tournament and a uh, <laughs> attempt to end the legislative session right about the same time. Um, how are your brackets, guys? What, what do we know here? Mine Leah's- are awesome. I'm yeah. number one in my husband's departmental bracket pool. Uh, very <laughs> That's all good. for charity, of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> and not only are you representing the Wildcats well, and we're conscious of, of tip-off time. That's we'll try right. to honor that. But and you will get another shout team shout-out to in. the University of Maryland Terrapins. Go Terps. Beat uh, LSU. Uh, a, uh, a transplanted <laughs> Mar- Mar- Marylander here in Kansas. And uh, Rob, where are you? Uh, so for the first time, in a long time, I did not fill out a bracket this year. There was a, a you know no contest to jump into and and distracted by other things this week. Yeah, we've been a little bit busy. And just kind of uh, forgot I'll have about to, it. I have to admit, started. I filled out my bracket during a, a lull in, the, in legislative business. And, and that this is week. really what 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 March and April usually mean in the legislative session: uh, less scheduled time, lots more lulls, but there is often a lot of action. And we're going to focus on the two bills that just last night uh, came out of the House K twelve Budget Committee, kind of. Finally beginning to get an end game in place. The committee uh, has put out two bills to go to the House floor, presumably early next week. As I think everyone knows, the Senate has already adopted uh, its school funding position in Senate Bill 142. That did not come out of committee, so this gets a little bit complicated. The House ended up splitting their their efforts into two different bills. Uh, House Bill 2395, their original bill, that included both funding and a number of policy issues was heavily amended so that now it is basically the money part of the equation. And many of the policy issues, but not all, were put in Senate Bill 16, which was a kind of a small bill that is now a very big bill dealing with policy. Those are both going to the floor. So we're going to try to relatively quickly walk you through those main provisions. I'm going to start by just sort of talking about where we are in a kind of a school funding sense. Rob, if you can bring up our slide, and then I'm going to go to this, and we're just going to try to lay out for you where we are with current law, uh, with the Senate position, which also represents the state board's proposal and the governor's recommendations, and then the House funding bill. So this is base state aid per pupil, which this year is 4165. Under the law passed last year, the five-year plan, now kind of remember, we're in the first year of a five-year plan is sort of how it was presented to the court. The base was supposed to go to 4302 next year, 4439 in 2021, and then up to 4576 and finally 7313. That's 47. I'm sorry. Thank you. Did I don't want to turn that around. So this is what the legislature said. Here's our plan to get back to suitable funding. We're going to raise the base about $550 over that period of time. The court said, okay, but you have to have some some recognition of inflation. Uh, Senate Bill 142 represents the state board's plan to do that. So as you can see, it is a more aggressive increase, and it would raise the base by about $680 over that period as opposed to 548. House Bill 2395, uh, and it's going to be a little confusing, has smaller increases in the base, but we're going to explain it's really the same amount of money because it increases weightings, but it only is, in effect, a two-year plan. Uh, 
so as you can see, it's, uh, it stops, and, and really the base increase is considerably less than either plan. If you can read this, and we'll certainly get you the slides, this may be a little more relevant because it shows you the total dollars. This year, um, uh, 2019, we are expected to spend about $2.9 billion in state foundation aid, your general fund budget, what the state directly provides. Under current law, that's to go to about $3 billion next year, 3.1 in 21, 3.2, 3.3, and as you can tell, that's about $100 million a year, <laughs> pretty clear in the math. What Senate Bill 140 does, uh, 142 does, is add $100 million roughly on each of those years. So we go from 3.9 to 3.2, then uh, 3.3, 3.4. The difference over that four-year period starting now, uh, the current law would add about $425 million. The adjusted plan adds about $520 million. The House plan would add almost the same amount, well, as you can see, kind of exactly the same amount, the way they've structured it, for the first two years, but then it stops. There is no further increase in the base. There's no further adjustment. And so while it is the same money over two years, it is considerably less over the full four-year period. Might just show you a couple of other things that I think is important to keep in mind. There is a little bit of difference in what is projected for local option budget state aid because current law uh, would uh, has a provision for a, an adjustment in the artificial base that is taken away in the uh, House plan. Uh, so it's a little bit different over a two-year period. All plans assume special education aid will increase about $15 million over two years. All assume, using the same assumptions for capital improvement aid, that's bond and interest aid of about $27 million, and that capital outlay aid will go up about $5 million over that two-year period, the next two years. Big change is in CAPERS, which under current law will go from about $280 million to $530-some million, and then a little bit more so. So a big part of the what the state is spending isn't going into the formula, but is going into capers. Uh, Senate Bill 142 has a little bit larger capers increase because of the higher base, because it's the same amount of general fund money. 2395 looks at the same thing. Before we go into a few other details, I want to show you a couple of other pictures. This is just a, a, a graph that doesn't show any infective inflation. It's just the total dollars that schools are have spent or are expected to spend. So the blue line is total expenditures. This is information on the State Department of Education website. This is the all money. This is what leads to the $13,000 student. We'll, we'll talk about what's in it or not, but the, the, these are the numbers. Uh, from about 2002 uh, to 2009, you can see a pretty sharp increase in total funding leveling off, but still modest increases through 2017. But then you can see we expect about a $1.5 billion increase in total spending over basically a four-year period. If you just look at the kind of orange-red line, that is school district general funds, local option budget, and special education. That's really the budget you school districts control. That, too, was rising uh, under the old Montoy decision. 
essentially leveled off until 2017. It will also shows an increase of about $1 billion. So one way of looking at this five-year plan and, and the increase last year is to add about a billion dollars in general school spending and over $1.5 billion in total funding. You're going to hear that. It is important, however, to put this in the context of inflation, mm -hmm. and that's what we tried to do here. Again, this shows, yes, the Montoy settlement in the mid-2000s mid that peaked in 2009 was increasing in above inflation terms, but essentially we fell behind 2009 levels through 2017. The increases show up here, but they are not as great. Uh, and as you can see, we look for total spending in 2020 to be higher than 2009. We're only showing that we'll get approximately to 2009 levels in the, in the red-orange area in 2023. Now, we have to make some assumptions here about what actual inflation will be. Point is, it's pretty clear that the House bill would leave us short of the 2009 area and that was the that was the goal that was what the state's plan was we also want to just kind of show you uh, this chart is school funding as a share of total Kansas personal income. This is kind of the tax burden to support our K-12 system. Total spending in blue peaked at about 5% of Kansas personal income. So think about that. At its high water mark, about 5% of what Kansans earned is what we were spending on K-12 education. That has dropped since then, and our projections are that even under these plans, we'll still be uh, well below that, even more dramatic in terms of just the operating budgets had been, oh, about 3.75% in 2009 have dropped. So this is always the problem when you're talking about school finance. Are you talking about unadjusted dollars? Are you talking about adjusted dollars? Are you talking about kind of a share of the economy? And that's what we tried to break out for you here. So again, we're happy to answer questions on any of these. This is the information we've been sharing with the legislature and we'll continue to do so. So we hope that kind of gives you just this sense. We have current law, which the Supreme Court has said is on the right direction, but not enough. We have the Senate passed plan, which gets closer, although there is debate over that. That's part of the controversy that the plaintiff district schools for fair funding has indicated they don't think it would satisfy the court. The House plan, which actually steps back from current law. Okay? So with that, I'm going to pause for a moment and let's get into some of the other things. We're going to stick with what's in 2395. As we've said, part of the reason the base does not go up as much is it does a couple of things with weightings. One of those is creating a new weighting that Rob's going to tell us about. Sure. So uh, a pilot program was started last year in Senate Bill 423, uh, added $10 million for behavioral health, uh, mental health support as a partnership between uh, pilot school districts that were identified and and local community mental health centers. Uh, this will be expanded under the plan of 2395 uh, and will be expanded to add $20 million cap for the next two funding years, but will be put into place through a new weighting called the behavioral health weighting, which as they did their calculations and have adjusted it will be a 0 0.015 weighting or roughly point zero point zero one five. 
Yeah. 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 0.015. Waiting. So roughly about $67, $68 per student that, that would fall underneath this category. That, now, that category would be having an MOU with a community mental health center. It would be having a master's level behavioral health specialist uh, that is assigned and working with a school building, and then that waiting would be then applied to all the students that are in that school building uh, where that, that, that partnership is. So a district may have seven buildings and only have two buildings that have this partnership in place. Those buildings and those student counts would get the waiting factor to this. Um, and the idea is it will ramp up over years. So the pilot programs that were in there obviously would be ones that would be in there, but many Many other school districts in the state currently have uh, some agreements in place with local community health centers, and as long as they meet these guidelines or petition the state board for an exemption for some of the rules right. based on maybe the availability of a master's level trained um, official could then qualify for that waiting. Uh, but uh, total expected cost of this waiting, if every student was affected, would be about $37 million in the near future. Uh, overall, not a very large waiting expense, but certainly one that could help offset those costs of adding some behavioral health specialists uh, to to support schools. The, the goal, I think, is to address the what, what we have heard, what we've shared as concerns about student uh, mental health needs and the lack of resources in a community by basically attempting to fund a program that is centered in schools but partnered with community health programs to help share the costs of specialists, uh, of, of uh, people who can provide these services, um, and done in a way that ultimately would mean that, uh, while technically all schools and kids could be affected, it's it's not necessarily expected to get there, but it certainly would be a much larger program than is currently uh, the case right now. Uh, I think the big debate over this is the approach of awaiting and the sense that although it might expand, at least in the short run, it does not go to all schools, um, but the goal would be to, to ramp it up quite a bit. Um, that that takes of the 90 million, mm -hmm. <laughs> about 20 million would go into this program. If it is not all spent the first year, it automatically carries over to the next year to again kind of trying to ramp this up, and then there would be no cap beyond that. The another part of the money would go to the expanded at-risk waiting. That would just flow through the normal. All districts would get a little more at-risk waiting, depending on their number of free lunch kids. There are a few additional requirements of having to, to transfer money into your at-risk fund, but KSDE says basically everyone is already doing that, and we are actually spending more on at-risk programs than we're getting from the at-risk waiting. So um, it, that does not seem to be a major issue. There's about three other provisions in the bill uh, that are the, in the funding bill Leah's right. going to talk to us about. Sure. The first uh, bullet we want to cover is uh, dyslexia teacher training. The bill provides about $800,000 in additional professional development funds for training for teachers in the identification of dyslexia dyslexia and in effective reading interventions, and it will be distributed by the State Board of Ed on a grant basis. There's also uh, a continuation of the $5 million school safety grants that were uh, enacted last year. That's a matching program, as you know, one-to-one. -one. State provides a dollar, you provide a dollar. It's uh, 
confined, though, to the acquisition of security cameras and equipment and services that you need to secure your building, monitor the facility, secure your windows and doors. So, again, it's it's technical and kind of computer and uh, equipment issues, no um, additional training or, or any of right. that kind of provision in that. And the bill also uh, gives another $260,000 for a second year of funding for the Teach for America program. That's a program that tries to uh, recruit young teachers, early career teachers, to teach in some of the uh, most challenging school districts. And uh, you've got a little bit of money last year and gets a little more this year, or next year under this bill. Right. One thing that might be noted, the bill makes appropriations for the school finance features for two years, but some of these smaller programs are only for a single year, as the state seems to be kind of going back to a one-year budget. Uh, at least that's how we're kind of looking at it. Those are the provisions in substitute for House Bill 2395. We would note that all of these summaries are available through links in our news briefs if you want to get them, and I believe today uh, they should have posted the official versions of the bill and the uh, supplemental notes that legislative research does. The second bill that came out is a heavily amended version of uh, Senate Bill 16. A uh, number of policy features, we're going to take turns with those. The, the very first provision, uh, basically it's, it, it, it's called accountability and transparency. It is basically telling the State Department to de devise a new one page, well one sheet, it could be front and back mm -hmm. I guess, report card for schools, districts, and, and I guess the state. Uh, that is really just using what is already required by federal law, but basically saying, come up with a nicer design. And KSDE is actually working on that. The second provision is a, uh, I think, hard to understand uh, and, and a, a little bit unknown provision that basically says schools must certify in their budget that they are allocating dollars to help students succeed in the ROSE capacities. Uh, this, is, this is being put in as a kind of defense against lawsuits mechanism, but I think the, the courts have tended to look at these things in the past and say, you, you can't order districts to pretend they have enough money if they don't, but nonetheless, this is a way of, of again, re requiring you to sort of say, we're making sure our money is going in the right places, and, and, we, and we promise and we sign, tell you that our budget uh, has done that. Uh, the next thing it does, uh, we're going to turn over for a couple things to Rob. Sure. So uh, uh, once again, after last year, uh, and I, believing that you know that we hear that the ACT funding uh, was a pretty successful and, and higher participation rates, uh, this, the legislature has once again added funding in there uh, for ACT participation and work keys uh, participation by our schools. So funding so that all the schools can offer that for free uh, one time to the students uh, their junior year uh, to make that available. Um, I believe, though, that that is once again only just one year. Uh, no, actually, this is this would put it in current law. Okay, saying it really has to be so done. So it has to be so done. So this every really year. makes that that uh, that uh, those tests permanent that the state will pay. Of course, the legislature can always change it or not fund it, sure. but it basically sets the policy that we're going to do that. Good deal. And, and some opportunity there. No comment, though, on, on funding for additional training or support for desperate housewives? No. <laughs> on the ACT? <laughs> just, 
Sorry. I'm trying to make, yeah. <laughs> Current events, you, you can't have a little joke. All right. Anyways, the next thing that they did uh, was to direct the state board to study graduation requirements, including the possible inclusion of financial literacy and computer science. Uh, these were two bills uh, that were brought before the House Education Committee and had hearings. Uh, and so they're, as they're, they're directing the state board to look at these and if there are some ways to maybe expand, change, or loosen current requirements for graduation that programs like those and possibly others could be incorporated into those. And in support of that, they also create an IT Education Standards Advisory Commission uh, that will be uh, representative of industry leaders within IT and and education uh, to be together to help advise on some programming uh, for the state board. And and the Board of Regents, it's important to note that this is kind of a general... Overall, yeah, K twelve K- and, sec- and higher. Cerner Corporation was a big yes, proponent right. of this. Is one of the things we've heard. So, okay, Leah, are you picking up websites and beyond? Yes, uh, the bill also directs uh, certain reports to be posted on on the Department of Education website and your local district website with uh, with just some links that say accountability right. reports. So just uh, and and I guess we just say please do this. Yes. Uh, nothing nothing is more uh, a gotcha moment than right. when people. People are sitting in committee saying, well, I just I went just to this, this district and, and I can't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is something we do need to pay attention to. Uh, but in general, you'll just be linking to documents that the department right. will be creating for you right. for the most part. Right. So when your website breaks down because of all the traffic, you can Correct. You know who to blame. Yeah. Yeah. There's also quite a bit of uh, information in this bill on bully prevention. Uh, the bill directs the State Department of Education to establish and maintain a statewide bully prevention hotline that folks could call. And it re- also requires uh, the state to make reports to school districts where if somebody calls the hotline, reports an incident, the, the uh, State Department has to report to the district names, you know, details. Uh, try, trying to make some progress on getting that uh, incident uh, investigated and, and hopefully dealt with. It also amends the current state bully law, which bully prevention, which was added in 2005, I believe, to add some additional requirements to your bully prevention plans, including publishing what the consequences would be, remedial action, some um, some additions to the reporting and investigation. Which you which you may you already, may already have, have, but if you don't have it in your plan, or if your plan is not accessible, you'll have to look at that. And certainly, KASB will be working to to help make sure your policies have what they need, and right. you can be. And you'll also again need to post that plan on your website and post the bully hotline exactly uh, on your website. The bill also repeals the. The specific mention of 92% of uh, the excess cost target that the state would pay for special education aid, it doesn't say that the state is not going to is not going to pay special ed aid. It just removes that goal, that specific goal of 92% funding. There was so, a, an audit this yeah. year that kind of told the state, you you know, since 2009, you haven't met this target. Right. You either ought to meet the target or, you know, stop pretending. We advocated they should meet the right. target. That is not the route they've gone at right. this time. This is the so, stop pretending. Yes, this it. is the stop pretending promotion. So in, in effect, they have standards to meet. They do not meet those standards. Yeah. So instead of working to meet those right. standards and demanding it, they well, just remove the standards. Uh, 
We'll let that stand on its own. Uh, I'm sure our legislators would point out, well, we're increasing funding every year, but interestingly enough, the $7.5 million a year increase is not really expected to be enough to even keep at the percent we're at, unfortunately. Okay, a couple of, uh, one other, a little bit complicated provision, so just going to talk about it at a high level. At least I'll try. The guys will help me. The current program of tax, <coughs> tax credits for contributions for scholar for private school scholarships right now a child becomes eligible if you are low income and if you are attending a public school that is ranked in the bottom 100 schools assessed by basically reading and math scores. These are basically high poverty schools for the most part. This bill would change it so it would be the lowest 100 elementary schools. In other words, only students in elementary schools would be eligible to take advantage of this. You could continue with the scholarship through your career, but it basically means a, a student in a low-performing high school would not have the option to take this to transfer to to another. Never been explained. There was no proponent mm-hmm. of hearing. We don't really know why this is, but but it, it is what it is uh, in here. And then I think on that, that list, it, it sounds like we're hearing, and I'm not sure if it's in the bill, it's the 100 lowest-performing public elementary Correct. schools specifically. Right. Correct. In the instance that there are some private schools in Kansas whose test scores would rank them in the in the lowest 100. Correct. And my guess is, looking at things in the past, those are private schools that serve a lot right. of low-income kids, and and that is unfortunately the great the great problem with this is we always throw around the term failing schools when overwhelmingly there's the schools that simply have a very high percentage of low-income kids, public or private. That's the challenge we all know uh, exists. Leah, what's next? Out-of-state school, uh, out-of-state students funding. Uh, you may recall that last year in the school finance bill, the legislature enacted kind of a phase down of funding for kids from a different state who attend your your schools. So these are mostly your border counties, or you may have uh, parents who come into Kansas to work, that kind of thing. Uh, this bill reinstates full funding right. for out-of-state students who attend uh, Kansas schools and KSB support. That so, something positive there. That's uh, that's in the bill. A new thing that we've kind of glanced on just a little bit today, talking about waitings. There's a new bilingual waiting time limit. So if a child is going to receive that bilingual waiting, they only are waited or they are only considered to be participating for five years. So five years kids in bilingual classes and then after that they don't get counted correct at, for your bilingual waiting the original house bill 2395 listed that for four years there was a, there was a little bit of pushback and so they upped it to five years you know there was kind of a good comment made yesterday well if a kid is struggling with math you don't cut them off after five years but but uh this is this another is one where there, there were there were no proponents right. so who spoke to this. Sure. This was work done by by members of the committee leadership that put this together. They indicated that time limits are common in surrounding states. Right. Interestingly, in about two years, there is supposed to be a legislative post audit of bilingual education. This would kind of get the jump on that, I guess, right. in some ways. So again, it's important to remember this is still just the recommendation of the first house. Could change. Mm-hmm. It's unclear how many students, if any, would be affected. By this, because right. we don't have the data, uh, the the guess is it is very few. But the concerns that were expressed in opposition testimony was these may be kids who, for 
various circumstances are really struggling and right. shouldn't be denied services. Right. Uh, let me, oh, you've got one yeah, more. Yeah, Kansans can. Uh, this is kind of a strange little provision. It just repeals the the uh, the reference to the Kansans can. It just repeals those words, basically, from the statute. It does not say that you can't right. search for and aspire to social-emotional learning, kindergarten readiness, individual plans of study. Those are all maintained. It just it just deletes the reference to the state board's Kansans can vision. So that is what it is. Uh, and the reference meaning that probably that, you know, the, the state board will over time, you know, redo new plans, new visions, new goals. And, and in the future, you know, Kansans can may not be the name of that. But, right. but of course, right. this bill was drafted to be timeless. So Right. Exactly. Uh, okay. Let's move to financial reports. Uh, this is somewhat technical, as, as we had already mentioned. There are certain things that you are required to put on your websites. This bill adds some things. And, and this, there's a provision that just kind of tidies all that up. It does ask for some additional financial and enrollment information to be added to the budget documents that that you have to post. Um, And it would have a new requirement that you would have to report any dollars you spend on school finance litigation going back to 2010 would have to be included in your report on your website and the State Department website. Another provision that uh, kind of avoided something that might have been a pretty big issue uh, deals with cash balances. I, I think we talked to you last week about this bill sought to limit uh, cash balances to basically 15% of operating expenses, uh, setting aside uh, capital outlay and bonded interest. Uh, we raised some issues about that in testimony, uh, as did others. And what I think is a probably a, a pretty good response is to instead order a post-audit study of this to really look at all the issues. And that's part of what we said is that, you know, whatever you think of cash balance policy, a blanket policy may not mm-hmm. cover all circumstances. And so I think this was a was a positive move. Um, so uh, that's that. Rob, sure. I think you're up next. So uh, Senate Bill 16 is keeping in a provision that was also in 2395 uh, that would add jobs for America's graduates uh, as, as a specified program uh, next to communities and schools, which was specified last year, as programs that should be counted towards suitable education for funding. Um, these are really identifying some at-risk programs uh, and, and, and in the statute, really directing the the, the, leg- the judiciary as it may be to recognize those fundings as also educational commitment. Uh, doesn't necessarily have a significant uh, impact to anything. These are programs yeah. that are already authorized for, for funding by the state board. Uh, they do also modify the state bond cap. The bond cap, of course, was put in two years ago, modified last year a little bit. Um, this adds an amendment to modify it to exclude building maintenance, repair, uh, maintenance or repair to to current facilities, knowing that uh, many facilities are aging and there's some delayed maintenance there through this from the cap. Uh, This would be a a very good provision to have in there and would certainly lessen some of the stress uh, that is expected to come because of the bond cap in the near future. In in other words, as, as I understand it, what this basically says is only new construction would count toward that cap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, um, and then uh, transportation waiting. They, they have made an additional requirement. Uh, this was a bill that was brought last year. Some of you may remember from the end of last session that would require districts to provide transportation to students living below two and a half miles from schools if there is no safe pedestrian route to school as defined within the, the, the statute. So they have a, a listing of what safe is, and that includes uh, speed limit zones of 25 miles per hour or less and uh, crossing uh, highways or railroad tracks, uh, different things like that, um, and if it does not increase the transportation costs. So if, in effect, the idea being this, your school buses are driving down routes and between their route and the, and the school building, they will be passing kids that have a hazardous pathway to school uh, that do not currently are not currently picked up, you should offer to, pick, to provide transportation to those students as long as you can quantify that it won't increase your transportation cost. So if you had a contract amount and you pay per student, um, this may, of course, get you out of it. But it uh, was a discussion that was had last year and, and was included as a provision. Right. No, here. no hearings this year. It was last year, and this is one where, again, if this provision survives and there is a ways to go, it will be very important that you be, be documenting this. Of course, as we know, many districts already provide transportation to such students. Uh, in some cases, students may be charged fees, and, and that's, I think, what some of this is all wrapped up in. Uh, so we're, we're, going to have to, we're going to have to continue to watch this, um, but you need to be aware of it. The final provision I will mention is it extends the Dyslexia Task Force, which was created last year. KASB was supportive. I think people are generally pretty pleased with the recommendations that came out of it. But the task force basically said, hey, we'd, we'd like to stick around and see whether these things actually get implemented. Uh, and the legislature is agreeing and basically extending it to 2020. Okay, might very quickly mention, because we know uh, we know there's a basketball game starting <laughs> soon, that the bill, in case you're keeping track, does not include a legislative bullying prevention task force, because the state department, the commissioner, has already set up a task force. It does not include the voucher for bullying targeted students for private schools or mandatory transfers to public schools, the so-called HOPE scholarship. That was taken out. And in the perhaps most interesting and convoluted part of the bill uh, was the roofing contracts controversy uh, that uh, drew a remarkable number of roofing-related lobbyists, I guess, uh, to the education committee. Um, That is taken out. So there are no changes in that area at this time. So that's Senate Bill 16. Uh, Again, uh, these are likely to be going to the floor uh, early next week. If you have concerns about any of these issues or all of these issues, now is the time to be directing them to your House member. We're past the point of hearings. They need to be hearing you because it is likely that there will be either amendments or, or efforts to defeat, pass entire bills. So Please, please uh, contact your legislators if there's things you're particularly concerned about. So one thing I think maybe we should we should help them out, and this may get a little wonkish, but to kind of help our members understand how this might play out next week, uh, it's important to remember, so these were broken up into two bills specifically, HB, which is a House Bill 2395. That has not gone to any place other than the House, so the Senate has not even had a hearing on this uh, in which they could then take action on this as well. They also placed part of the portion, and that was the money part. Right. They also placed the policy in SB 16. That is a bill that did come out of the Senate, and so it would be available for the Senate to concur, non-concur, or go to committee with. Right. And, and ultimately, that's the pathway we'll get to committee. 
You will note, and we'll note, that SB 142, which was the Senate's funding bill, is still in the K-12 Budget Committee, has not come out, and probably will not come out for it to come to the floor. So this is the House, really, and this is political maneuvering for them to make sure that they can't be forced into taking the Senate's position on funding without a conversation in conference and without ability to come back to it. So depending upon what happens next week uh, on the funding bill and what happens on the policy bill, most likely we'll be headed to conference by the end of the week, hopefully. Yes, we we certainly are hoping so because, again, the legislature wraps up two weeks from today and uh, on, uh, on April 15th. Uh, briefs are due on school finance, and they'll right. be hard to do if we don't have a school finance position. We want to quickly, to end, wrap through some of the other bills we're following. We're going to start with Leah, who yes. has been paying attention uh, to a couple. Senate Bill 7 is the bill that we've been following about uh, school board officer election dates. That gives you local control of, uh, of when those are held and uh, local control over if you are going to change your voting plan when you t- take that to the voters. That's passed out of the House Committee and is on House General Orders. And uh, SB 128, crisis drills that we've been following, that uh, takes us from 16 uh, drills of various kinds this year to going forward would be uh, nine drills total, uh, three, um, four, I always get this wrong. Four, three, two. Four, three, two. Three uh, disaster drills, two fire, two. Tornado. Tornado, Tornado thank you, and four fire drills. Fire. Thank you. As a minimum. It's, you yeah, you, as a you minimum. can drill you more can if you want, yes. but that would be the requirement. Drill, that re- drill, That drill. would replace both the current one-year provision, drill, baby, drill, <laughs> and uh, and it would also uh, replace the old uh, law, which required monthly fire drills and tornado drills. That's right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. We've already kind of talked about yeah. SB 142. Uh, we've been following House Bill 2360, which deals with the KBI doing background checks. That uh, was held. There was a hearing on that in Senate Judiciary. They were meeting again this morning. I haven't seen an update on that bill, but we'll keep you posted on that. House Bill 2346 was about vision screening, kind of updating the standards and uh, requiring some additional screenings. That was uh, heard in Senate Ed, but did not come out. And uh, then, let's see. Oh, were you, were you going to talk about I think Rob's going to talk sure, about yeah. uh, transportation. Uh, so we, we had talked a little bit about a transportation bill, House Bill 2214, uh, that would redefine school bus within the motor fuel law. Uh, this bill was uh, passed out of the House. It's on to the Senate. Uh, in the Senate, uh, the bill has now turned into uh, fees for electric and hybrid vehicles related to highway funds, since, of course, they don't use as much or any gas. Uh, so it's changed. So if that bill then comes up on the floor and moves out, it will go to conference. And of course, the school bus rule would be available right. for, for conferenceable within that bill. Uh, so establishing a position. And uh, so if you're out there and you think it's important to be able to get your tax refund on motor fuel for suburbans, cars, things like that, you may uh, let your legislators know, especially those that are on the transportation leadership positions on the committees. And, and it is worth noting that as we move into conference committees, this is a particularly perplexing and sometimes frustrating time because we're past the, the period of, of hearings or committee work and, and ultimately past even the opportunity for for amendments. What tends to happen at that point is, you know, three negotiators from each side basically have the, have the ability to craft a proposal and often that is taking different bills and so you've got a House transportation bill and another House transportation bill and a Senate transportation bill and you end up packaging and then the House 
House and Senate can only vote up or down. They can't amend right. them. So that's right. often how po- sometimes when you wonder how did something get passed, <laughs> sometimes that's how it gets passed. Right. Rob, you've got two other small bills you may want to mention just real quickly. Oh, sure. You bet. Uh, there, there were a couple bills related to... Um, you know, really, our, our union me- union members. Uh, one was on school bus drivers uh, and unemployed compensation being eligible for unemployment. Uh, that one was in committee, had a hearing in, in Senate Commerce. Uh, no action that moved out that I know of. I was looking to see what they did today, and they they seemed pretty focused on two other bills that they had. Uh, also, one on public employee union dues. Uh, that hearing was held in Senate Commerce, and I don't believe any action was done there as well to move it out. But we'll keep you updated if those do change. It should have been the last. Day to day, these are not exempt bills, and as you can see, they're in their first house. Uh, we'll continue watching. We'll continue letting you know. And uh, I think we've probably pretty clearly talked about the the calendar. Uh, we'll just let you know we are not sure when we'll be coming to you next week. Uh, the House and Senate will not be meeting. Thursday and Friday to allow conference committees because we don't know when conference committees will be. We may simply do our weekly update on Wednesday afternoon or, or perhaps Thursday to kind of tell you where everything is as we move into conference committee world. So just uh, stay tuned for those updates. Again, we hope many of you are able to follow us on Facebook Live every day. Uh, and of course, all the other information we provide. As always, if you have questions on any of this, please get them to us. We'll respond as soon as we can. Thank you for watching, and I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend of watching basketball, enjoying the spring, or whatever else you're going to be able to do. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go, everyone.